Hi, welcome to Parenting the Adlerian Way. I'm your host, Adlerian family counselor and parenting expert, Allison Schaefer. Each week, I answer your burning parenting questions to help reduce the stress of parenting one tip at a time. We'll explore Adlerian psychology together and learn methods of child guidance for raising a happy, confident, capable, resilient child. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hi, welcome back to the podcast. It's Allison, and I am so excited to bring you another guest interview. Not only am I bringing you someone renowned in the Adlerian community, but also a very dear friend. So I want to make sure that I do justice in introducing him before we dive into this great conversation today. Let me introduce to you Wes Winget. Wes is uh, a gentleman who I've known for quite a long time. And let me try to hit you just some of the highlights of his uh, credentials, just so you know the caliber of guests that I'm bringing to you today. He has a PhD and he is a licensed mental health professional. And he's been a counselor in private practice in Norfolk, Nebraska since 1978. But his history and his background is very diverse. Before he got into private practice, this is somebody who was a administrator in elementary schools. He was also a teacher and a counselor at junior and secondary schools. He had his fine arts degree in education from Wayne State College and then went on to get his master's and doctorate degree in guidance and counseling education from the University of Wyoming. 
And as if that wasn't good enough for Wes, who loves to study, <laughs> he, this man loves to be smart and he is smart and he never stops learning and, and taking what he learns and sharing it back with people. It's amazing. But he went on and he also has a, additional graduate studies from the University of Vermont and the University of Northern Colorado. He is also an adjunct professor at a bunch of places, including Wayne State College, which is in Nebraska, but also in Shippensburg University in Pennsylvania, Boise State University, and then way over in um, uh, Eastern Europe in Bulgaria, he is also a adjunct professor at Trachea University in uh, Starzegovia. He has conducted Lyrian workshops in 23 of the 50 states of the United States, Puerto Rico, and three provinces in Canada as well as Austria, France, Germany, Hungary, Ireland, Malta, Netherlands, Romania, uh, Turkey, UK, Wales, Asia, India, Taiwan, the United Arabs of Emeritus, Uruguay, Central America. The man gets around. He loves to travel. If you're thinking of having a speaker, consider Wes. He, he will come to you. What you need to know is that Wes's primary interest is uh, really the application of individual psychology to the study of addiction, aging, education, individual and couple work, loss and healing, multi-generational families, parenting, stress management, and as well as group work. He has been a student and a teacher of Adlerian psychology for more than 45 years. And because of that and so much of his other contributions and studies, he was designated the highest honor that we have in our association, the North American Society of Adlerian Psychology, uh, to be a diplomate of Adlerian psychology. He has also authored many articles, co-written book chapters, and also, to, to my great benefit, besides those, he also likes to self-publish workbooks, workbooks that we can use that focus on family and so, so, so much more. He is all, always one of the most sought after workshop leaders at our um, conventions. And uh, he's put aside time to talk to me today. So thank you for being with me, Wes. Oh, thank you, Allison. It's a pleasure to be here. So on top of all the wonderful things that I just read in your biography of all your great contributions, I just want to thank you for being one of my friends. You are a, a man in high demand. And whenever I go to the conferences and I, I have to line up to get a minute with you, you're always sitting on couches in between the sessions with usually some student who's making their way and you're mentoring them and encouraging them. And uh, anyway, you are the spirit of Edlerianism. And I, I just I'm so honored to be your friend. Thank you for your time today. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. And it's a privilege and a pleasure to share the ideas of Adler and the application of those ideas uh, with others. And, and that's and that's really what I'm trying to do with this podcast. Um, and uh, we take the podcast in many directions. Most people that listen are parents, but a lot of them are people that are still, uh, you know, on their learning journey. Um, and uh, I, I'm, I'm so excited to talk to you because you really have such a, a, a long and deep history in, in understanding the the writings of Adler, knowing the distinctions between Adler's writings and the Dreikersian applications, we often get very big into the four goals and we kind of kind of keep it a little short there. And I really like Adler's full writing. And I think sometimes we don't go deep enough and robust enough for the parents to learn all that we have to offer, you know, because it's um, 
It is a very robust psychology, and I, I, I really want the learning for the parents listening to know just how much we have to offer without getting so lost in the language and, and the, the unfriendly ways that, you know, maybe sometimes articles are written or the uh, dry text. I think conversation is just a better way to make this real for parents that are trying to get what we're about. And I, I agree, Allison. One of the things that Adler was was really a common man, and he used typically a common language. There are some some words that are specifically Adlerian. He started his practice, or one pieces of his pra- one one of the pieces of his practice in Vienna was working with parents and teachers and kids in a public setting, and he was open and curious and kind and encouraging from the reports that we have and wanted to teach and wanted to help people understand how to get along together in a democracy. Which was such a contrast to the, to, to, you know, I mean, he was um, a part of the psychodynamic Freudian, uh, you know, Tuesday inner group or whatever. And, and, and in my mind, I don't know if this resonates with you, Wes, But in my mind, when I make a characterization in my head of these men and and their time in history and how they related and the differences in their approaches and personalities, I think of that movie Amadeus. Do you remember the movie Amadeus where where it just Amadeus was so brilliant, but he, he was just so comfortable in his skin and he was just out there with the people and Solinari was like up and just he was so angry that Amadeus was being so successful and he was just so anal and uptight and this in my mind is how Freud and Adler Adler would have people to his house and hang out at the coffee shops and you know like you said a man of the people open door and I just think of Freud as being so uptight and academic and constrained and um, anyway that's my own personal opinion I don't know what you think of it both pioneers trekking forward in their own style and Freud was an academician. He was a groundbreaker. He wanted to create a new way of viewing the world. And Adler was much more a roll up the sleeves, get out with the public and work with all people from the populace in order to teach them to live with democracy. Uh, I really have a high respect for Freud and his pioneering modern day psychology. And I can recall reading that that during the during the meetings of the psychoanalytic society with those people that met in Freud's apartment, the evening would go on. And then at the end of the evening, Freud would take over the floor and talk with the people about his perceptions and what what he what he thought coincided uh, with his truth. And contrasted with Adler, who met with his people in the coffee shop in the Central Cafe and and other places in Vienna, and they met around round tables. And I like very much the concept of meeting around round tables. In a round table, everyone's equal, and everyone has the opportunity to share ideas. And that was probably Adler's notion of sharing ideas in in a give and take and give and take to move toward a better world. And and that's what we're here to do, you know, to be at a round table, to have a discussion, to talk about why why we enjoy and benefit from using these ideals. And I always tell people, if, if you think you have the capital truth and this is my way or the highway and we found the righteous right way of doing things, 
run the other direction. That should be the scariest thing ever. But we, right. we, we march towards we march towards what we believe is helpful and useful and, and good. And Adler provides so much of that. And, and as you said, Wes, you know, he worked with families in the school systems. He, he, he worked with the populace. He rolled up the sleeves and got that done. And as you did too. And so we, we are given a lot of writings and a lot of wisdom about families, children, parenting, um, and, and even though we are whatever it's, that was turn of the century stuff. Sure. He didn't have Wi-Fi, and he didn't have, you know, Snapchat and all these things that we had, but he, boy, did he give us a robust philosophy for understanding people, their behaviors, their motivations, so that we could come to understand them as they face anything, whether that's Snapchat or some new artificial intelligence down the road that hasn't been invented yet. He gave us an understanding of people. And I want to start with that, like help the listener kind of get some of those main pillars of how Adler understood people or, or you know, that's getting down to that, that big root that he brings. Well, the big root that, that Adler brings is is a uh, a set of of ideas about how to understand self and others, and I'll just briefly talk about each one of those five. He calls them five trustworthy approaches, and the first trustworthy approach that he talks about is family constellation, and that's the parent uh, as a grand. I am both a parent and a grandparent and a step grandparent. I need to look at how I as a kid as an only child, found my way, how did I find a way to belong? And it's not the fact that I'm an only child, it's how I found my place, how I chose to use my only childness. And Allison, I believe that you are a last born, and it's not the fact that you are a last born, it's what you decided about being a last born and how to move forward. So I, I want to take a look at family constellation. By the way, when you're doing family constellation, please include your pets. Please include all the people that are family slash non-family. And one of the things I always like to do is when I'm talking about family constellation or working with people is I want to say, now, now tell me if you have a pet. And if you have a pet, tell me the name of the pet. And if you have a pet and the pet has a name, I want to know the story of how the pet got its name. And now I'm entered into the family and into the family constellation and beginning to hear stories that are only part of your family, not of others, not, not of the families of others. The second entree that Adler talked about in, in understanding uh, in understanding self and others is the idea of dreams. And he talked about both daydreams and night dreams. And one of my favorite questions to ask people is, when you were a little kid between the ages of seven, eight, nine, maybe 10 years old, <clears throat> what did you want to be when you grew up? What was your daydream? And I want to know three things about that daydream. I want to know uh, what you would like about that occupation, what skills it would take to achieve that occupation. And the third thing is, how would that occupation help others? So then we have a key and crucial idea from Adlerian psychology is that our our life 
uh, is devoted to a balance of taking care of ourselves and to help others. The third thing that Adler talked about were early recollections. And early recollections are a specific event that we believe happened in our childhood. And it's a specific event. It's a one-time event. And it may or may not be true. I, I cite the story of Adler. Adler has a story when, when he was a little boy. Of he was in his, in his neighborhood in, on the outskirts of Vienna, and he walked through a cemetery. And he has this story, and he believed this story to be true. As an adult, he went back to his neighborhood, and there was no cemetery to be found. And that was a segment, or that, that was a segment, that was a figment of his imagination. I almost said that was a, a segment, like Sigmund Freud, that, that may have been an Adlerian <laughs> Freudian slip. slip. <laughs> Freudian slip. Uh, Sigmund's always there. And by the way, Adler had an older brother named Sigmund, and, and I don't want to go down that road, but that's an interesting kind of a thing. And early recollections, by the way, uh, we all have them, and there's a specific story. And if we don't like our early recollection, Adler says we can rewrite them. Everything is possible. Everything can be changed. And Adler's optimism came through there. The fourth thing that Adler talked about in understanding others were childhood disorders. And I believe as a parent, one of the things that we need to be aware of is childhood disorder challenges, usually physical challenges that kids have, is what do kids want when they're not feeling well? And how can we specifically nurture them when they don't feel well? How can we be nurturing in in a way that is nurturing to them. And I would go to the five love languages uh, as, as a paradigm to take a look at. <clears throat> and I also could, could tell you from my own personal experience, when I was a little boy, I had ear infections. And one of the things that, that I wanted when I was sick is I wanted two things. Well, maybe three things. I wanted to make sure I, I wanted to be warm. I wanted to have someone check on me about every hour. And the third thing, if we had a cat, I wanted to have the cat on the couch or the, the bed where I was sleeping or resting. And I wanted that. Uh, other people want other things when they're ill. And I think as a partner, if you have a partner, it's important to know what they need or want when they're ill and what we want or need when we are ill. And we need to communicate that just as we do with our children. The fifth thing that Adler talks about is a word that we use in the English language rarely. However, it seems that in my experiences in working with, with uh, folks in Europe that they understand, and Adler talked that he called these exogenous factors, things in life that we are not prepared for. Let me give you an example, a couple of examples from parenting. When kids go off to school for the first time, how can we prepare them? How can we not only prepare them, their other family members and self? How can we prepare them? And exogenous factors uh, require require preparation. Another example of a, of a of a an exogenous factor would be if you move, if you move from one place to another, what preparations do you need to make with the child, with other family members, 
And how are you going to inform and prepare the child for the new situation? Now, we're going to do it imperfectly. And we need to we need to prepare people. Also, with any biological changes, we need to prepare them. I can remember going to the dentist when I was a kid. I heard many, many stories from my mother about her, her experiences in dentistry. And they weren't particularly pleasant. And I took those... I'm nearly 80 years old, and I still take those expectations to the dentist, and I've never been hurt by a dentist. So I can rewrite that script, by the way. I can rewrite that script of the exogenous factor. So, so, those so are, death, death of a pet or a loved one, change of a city, starting a new job, going to camp. All those things, exactly. And how are we going to prepare the kids? And, and, and one of the things I, I want to know is, I probably would couch it like this. You know, you're going to be going to camp this summer, and gee, that's really cool. And maybe you have some questions, and maybe tomorrow afternoon, or right now, we can spend some time talking about what questions you might have about going to camp. And I like doing those things at family meetings. Uh, we don't, we in our house, just my spouse and I, we don't have family meetings, but we have marriage meetings where we get together and share our schedules each Sunday night. And then we couch our, we couch our mornings like this. What does your day hold and how can I be helpful? And, and those are two of the questions that are part of our early morning discussion, or it could be the, it could be in the evening prior to a day's. And I think that's a that's a stance to take as as parents is what what is what is the what is the day of hold for my child tomorrow and how can I be helpful? And a little kiss to say together we're better. <laughs> May together we we're better. Together <laughs> we're better. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Together we, we can we can make good things happen. We can Yeah. That's yeah. a that's a beautiful sentiment. Um so yeah, so there's that exogenous factors, which which again it sounds like a big uh, hoity-toity psychological word, but I think every parent has under, uh, understands the idea that life is going to throw things at our kids, and one of our parenting responsibilities is that we need to have them prepared for it. And sometimes we, if the job of parenting is preparing is preparing our children for the experiences and their roles in life, the way that life really unfolds realistically versus a cleaned up version of it where we sweep away problems manipulate life so our children don't face challenges then we end up with kids who are ill-prepared for life and life goes on and, and, and an ill-prepared child facing the reality of life is not an adjusted child and then we're going to have some problems exactly and the thing that comes to mind allison when i think about it is how do we manage COVID 19 how do we manage the uh, lockdown and right. and one of the things that i like to ask parents is what did your child learn during COVID-19? What new experiences did they have? What new experiences did they have with you as a parent? What resources did they activate that they had not, may have never activated before? What connections did they make inside and outside the home during that time? And we have a president for that, a precedent for that. Uh, Alfred Adler was practicing in Vienna in 1918 when the Spanish flu hit Europe. And so Adler, Adler was formulating and activating his ideas during a pandemic. 
And I, I think that he's given us a, a meaningful way to pursue through crisis situations. And another, another thing that was, uh, from biographical, Adler was in the military four times. And he came back from the military after serving in the military the last time. And he was, I think it was in his late 40s. And he gathered with his friends at a coffee house and they said to him, Dr. Adler, what should we have? What needs to happen so that we will never have another great war? And he responded to do or to that, that we should develop Gemeinschaftsgefühl, doing for the good of others because it needs to be done. So I can help others. And the helping others may start very small and in our families, in our relationships, in our neighborhoods. And it's one person at a time, one relationship at a time. And that's enough of my lecturing uh, for right now. And- oh, no. Oh, my God. No, this is the beginning of your lecturing right now. This is, I think, I think this is one of the key concepts that um, uh, that gets misunderstood or, or um, undervalued, I guess, maybe just in the, in the generaling general parenting um, um, literature. Let's put it that way. There's a lot of people that talk about the idea that, oh, there's three kinds of parenting and you're either like an autocratic, democratic or permissive. And, you know, you need to have mutual respect. And, and, you know, so you should use consequences instead of punishment. And, you know, we can really easily go go down. And all of that is absolutely valid. I mean, there's nothing that we're not saying there that, that, that isn't true. As I said, inviting you into this conversation, this going deeper, this idea of social interest in Gemeinschaftsgefühl is not like some little speck of dust that is, you know, <laughs> it's a, it is a big part, a big part of understanding human beings, what they need, uh, the emphasis that we need to put in, into um, training our children to have this to have this approach to life, to have this general attitude towards life that says, you know, we're not put here to get our resume ready for Harvard. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. And that a parent's job is to make sure, (laughs) by God, I don't know what your kid is doing, but my kid is doing better. That, that, I mean, I'm being a little bit facetious and dramatic to, to raise a point. But it is a very different subtle messaging that, to your point, one person, one time, one experience that happens again and again and again and again and again as it grows. But it's a, it's a, it's a philosophy for living that we have to hold on to, which is why are we humans? We are here in the service of others, not for our own personal betterment. Our betterment comes from everybody rising with us. And, and we just don't come at, we, parents are so concerned about, how's my kid doing? And am I going to fail in parenting if I don't have my kid set up to do this? And, um, gosh, like if you told, for example, Wes, if today in this day and age compared to when I was a kid, when I was a kid, if something went wrong in the classroom, we were all kept in from recess. Now I'm, I'm not going to, and I, and I know, I know who may have been one of the instigators <laughs> of something going wrong in the classroom, perhaps for talking too much, maybe talking would- too much. That Jimmy would be both Harvey of us. Was a good label, Meg. Right. I, right. I have some good. Uh, yeah, yeah. That would be me also. 
Yeah. Good. Yes. I think the report card said uh, Allison has, um, we love what Allison has to contribute, but she contributes too frequently. So yes, yes to right. all my teachers. I now have a podcast. I have my own platform. So there. <laughs> yeah. So we, we, we find ways to compensate. I want to talk a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about the development of social interest. Yeah. The Gemeinschaftsgefühl. We kind of use yeah. uh, the notion. And, and I want to go back to well, my birthday is November 16th, and I'm going to be 80 on November 16th. And I was born in a hospital in uh, Burbank, California. And when I was born, there were at least three things going on. In the room that I was born in, there was someone who loved me in the room. That was my mother. And someone who loved me outside the room at my birth, that was my dad. And I had other family members. So I was born into a situation where I was loved. The second thing, I was born into a situation of people who were there to help me. So I am born, first of all, uh, into a situation where I'm loved. I'm born into a situation where surrounded by helpers. I'm born into a situation where I am dependent on others to care for me. The act of others to care. And I'm also born with a desire to connect. When, when an infant is placed on mother's belly, if all goes well, the mother, the, the infant moves toward the mother's Express in an effort to make connection. So I know that from birth, four things are going on, that I am surrounded by people who are lo who love me. And my then training needs to take place in how to love others in, a, in an appropriate way. The second piece is I am surrounded by helpers. So my job is to be a helper in the world rather than a hindrance if possible. The third thing is I am dependent. And how can I move from dependent to independent? And as I make that movement, I am trained. I am surrounded by people who are resourceful. And I develop skills. And when I develop skills, I ask people this. And I like to, I like to talk with people, parents, uh, anybody about, about skills you developed when you were seven or eight or nine years old. What skills did you develop when you were that age? Oh, I learned to fly a kite. That might be a skill that was developed. Or I learned to arrange furniture in the dollhouse. Or I learned to play a video game, whatever it might be. And I asked this, who helped you? What resources did you, did you use? Did you utilize in the learning process? And how did your learning help others and who did you teach what you knew? And that's the beginning of the idea of social interest, to teach others in a contributory way to improve the world, to contribute, first of all, to the good of the family. And I can recall uh, two-year-olds saying, me, me, mine, I want to, mine, do it my way. And what the child is doing is, I want to be independent. And then the independence wants moves toward wanting to be helpful. I share a very short story. I was in a restaurant in Romania, and it was toward toward closing time, and there was a, 
a young woman who was taking the chairs, scooting them out from the table, and turning these chairs over and putting them on the table so the sweeping could take place. And there was a child of about three, maybe two and a half, three following this young woman. And this child was pulling the chairs out, just like the uh, worker in the restaurant was doing and wanted to help, wanted to contribute. So our job is to recognize, is to provide the opportunity and to recognize in that opportunity and to teach children how to be cooperative, how to contribute, how to connect, how to create a better world. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. All right, now I want to I want to share a story too, and I'm going to get my mic get teary because it's about my mom who's passed, <laughs> and my mom was magical. She was a magical encourager, and I think about all that we had so much company at our cottage, and a, a lot of children at our cottage, and my mom just had a, an amazing connection with kids. She was also an art teacher, and so the reason why what you just said stood out to me was I thought you know my mother we obviously grew up with a lot of you know art materials around. She had a full pot shop. You know we had all kinds of. Um, art supplies with paints and scissors and all kinds of things that you could have like spent the day entertaining children with art. But that wasn't what my mom did. I just realized at this moment that you said this. I mean, sure. I'm not saying that kids were forbidden from her pot shop. They, I mean, we, we played in the pot. We, they did. But that wasn't it. My mom went about the day doing her things. And if she had to go out to water the flowers, she'd say, come with me, hold the hose. Um, I have to deadhead the daisies. Here, you deadhead this one. They just went about being helpful to my mom and doing the daily, the daily activities of being helpful in the regular functioning. It wasn't entertainment. It wasn't that kind of play. It was being a functioning member and contributing to the regular functioning of a, of a, of a, of a place. It's just, as you say that, you know, that resonated with me. And also the fact that so many parents, when they hear this idea of contribution and the kids should contribute to the household, it's like, by God, I pay the rent. You should contribute around here. You lazy. So-and-so do the dishes, you know, you need, and we turn it into this concept of mandated chores, which makes our kids feel like indentured servants. And we completely miss the fact that kids naturally want to help when, when we, when we go about it with the right socially interested approach. Exactly. And, and we, kids want to contribute and we want to take advantage and, and take time to train, to incorporate them into the workings of the household as soon as they are, are willing and capable, or excuse, as soon as they're capable. Yeah. Right from that, as you said, the, 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 
the from the minute of birth that baby crawling up the chest to to want to cooperate to breastfeeding to wanting to be the 18 month old that can at least carry a can and put it on the lazy susan in the corner cupboards it's uh, you know we don't have to we we we're always trying to stay on top of that the whole the whole way bit by bit piece by piece development by development and i like that progression step by step slowly kindly and involving involving the family in the family work in the in what what does it, what does it take to to create uh to create I, I think that when when parents are talking together when they're talking with their kids about their past or sharing their narratives i'd encourage them to share the positive narratives and if you can please share the positive narratives not when I was a kid, we had to do this and so, but I can remember deadheading daisies. You know what, you know what I had? And, and I, I had a little bucket and mom had a big bucket and I had one my size and she had one her size and we deadheaded daisies. Now, deadheading sounds like something that, that's kind of strange, not, but I want to show you what it is. And deadheads, daisies are really pretty until they get tired and they get old. And then they need to be plucked. So we look at those that are tired and no longer beautiful. And they they want to be put away too. So we'll just take those and pluck those off and put them in the in our buckets. And that, that's deadheading. So you're part of the family and you have a little bucket and mom has a big bucket. And it's it's let's do this. And now you you hold the hose. You hold the hose while we water these dates because we want to have more pretty flowers at our cottage, and we also want a deadhead together. It'll be it'll be fun. Yeah. So when we share the narratives, we need to share our positive experiences if we if we can. And if you don't like the stories you have from from childhood, create a new one. It's okay. That that create a new one. Uh, everything could be different. That optimism of our psychology is so so powerful. So we're not fated to anything, you know? Everything could be different, yes. And and we make changes every day. I've made changes for crying out loud. There's been changes in my world, things that I can't do now that, that I used to be able to do. However, uh, I want to tell you a personal story. And, and you may or may not know this, but bathroom scales lie. <laughs> I'm so glad you confirmed my experience. Yes, yes. I don't care. I know, and it's, I don't know about those manufacturers, but bathroom scales lie. That's just that's one of the truths of the world. Big T truth. Bathroom scales lie. I stepped on the bathroom scales four years ago and took it to new heights or new weights, I guess it would be more appropriate to say. And I resolved to do something about that. And it's not what we have, it's what we choose to do about it. And I chose to buy a membership in a gymnasium, to get a trainer, to go to the gym three times a week, to work out, to improve my physical condition because I like life and I like living and I like part of life, the part of life where I feel healthy. And so I made a major change in my life. now. The bathroom scale doesn't go quite as far over as it used to, but COVID, I didn't have COVID-19, but COVID-19 settled at my waistline, and that would be 19 pounds. So I 
I want to encourage parents to spend time with your kids. Talk to them like you, you uh, talk to your friends. Think in your head with you and your, your family members what you would like to have your child be like when they leave home and devise a plan to get there. And use the experts. Tell your stories. Tell your narratives to each other. Plan together for, for, for progress, not perfection. And I bring to you uh, vast experience as a parent educator. I, uh, I live in rural Nebraska, and many, many, many years ago, I ran parent study groups. In fact, I ran 100 of them. I kept track, and these were nine-week sessions. And one of the greatest joys is to work with parents, to see them interact with their kids in a positive, caring, supportive way. And if we see that, if we see that in others, we need to tell them. We need to have good gossip. I love that good gossip. Well, it speaks to everything could be different and looking for strength. So do you mind if we just could, as our last little module of sharing before we wrap up, talk about this wonderful process that you have done. Uh, you, you shared an article with me and uh, and I've seen you demonstrate it in, in workshops as well. But this idea of going back to specific early recollections and yep. talking about digging for strengths, because, you know, we we do generally as a society look for defects and faults. Um, our mental health system is around deficiencies and brokenness. And that's so counter to what Adler Adler poised to the world that, you know, we all have strengths. We all have it within us that we need to mine for those um, um, positive traits and qualities and strengths. And we every single person has them parents get discouraged and kids get discouraged and that there is a process for reminding people that right now as they are they're they're good enough they actually do have all these great talents within them if they would be brought to their awareness and we have a process for doing that so can i toss it to you to talk about how you how your your strategy for that sure my strategy for that goes as follows when someone tells me a story a specific story about their childhood and typically before the age, I like before the age of seven or eight, and someone tells me a story, what I do is very carefully write it down exactly as they tell me, word for word, exactly as they tell me. So when I'm doing that, I'm and I'm telling them I'm doing that. I'm respectful to them. I want to get it exactly like you said it and exactly in your language. So I write that down. And then the next thing that I do is I look at the story and I look for the strengths. I look for the positive attributes of the individual. I'll just make up a story right now. Well, sure. I'll make up I'll make I'll make up one of my own. I I think I this is a story uh from when I was a kid. I got right, I'm going to listen to it through the ears of somebody who's looking for strengths as you tell it to me. I got a new bicycle for Christmas and I wanted to ride it. I took it outside and I went out into a flat space and I got on the bicycle and I rode it. 
and I was wobbly and I was a little bit afraid. And when it got wobbly, I put my foot on the ground to stabilize myself. And I remember thinking, I did this. And that's my story. What I heard in there, Wes, was here is a person who is very ambitious. I'm going for it right this moment. First thing, uh, as soon as I get this, I'm going for it. Uh, I'm not going to wait. I'm going to, I'm going to, I want to push myself to the next level on this new skill. I'm courageous. I don't know anything about it. Never rid one. Haven't done that before. You go out alone. You take this on as your own little championship with no instructions, no rules. You're going to be courageous, but you're planful. Look at how you strategize around this. You say, I'm going to go to a flat field. I'm going to go to a place. I've taken considerations for logistics into my head. You've done some forward advanced planning around this. And my God, the mastery, you actually pull it off. You get on there and you have whatever your muscle memory, whatever you bring to this thing, you get that bike going. You've got mastery. And yet you were wobbling and you could have put it down and said, forget this. This is too scary. But you didn't. You persevered. You said that I can overcome my fear and I'm going to stop here and problem solve and figure out how to put my foot on the ground and get that wobble to start. So you used your resources, you used strategies and resources, and then your pride after is you can be self-encouraging. You can take that moment to celebrate yourself. You don't need to look around and say who watched, who saw me. You knew yourself. You could self-congratulate and self-appreciate yourself. Now I feel encouraged and supported and I wrote these things down. Now, I'm almost 80, and how can I take the story from childhood and those strengths, how can I apply them at my current age and space? So, for example, how can I be ambitious today at age 79? How can I be courageous? How can I plan? How can I master a new skill or a master a skill? How can I stick to things? Instead of having, well, that's, yeah, we'll go there. And how can I encourage myself? And so I'm taking a story from childhood that I remember. And now I have another bad memory about my bike, but I, I chose the one that's a positive memory. And I have that, I have that, I have that template stored and I can pull up that template and use it today. So I'm look, looking for strengths. And Allison, you identified some strengths. Now, uh, I am selectively ambitious. Okay? I am selectively courageous. And I haven't done it yet this morning. But I, I take a little calendar sheet. Well, here's yesterday's. And I write at the top. This is my day's work. And I write, I write up here today. I write... Uh, Three words. I write uh, gratitude, obedience, and discipline. I write those across the top of my page. Then I write everything I'm going to do at the world of work. And at the bottom of the page, I write happy, joyous, and free. So I am going to go through this day, uh, moving, starting with gratitude, obedience, and discipline, and moving toward happy, joyous, and free. That's where my movement goes. And if I use my skills that you've identified for my story, I can I can get there imperfectly. And I also need to take care of myself along the way. So look for strengths. Look for strengths in story. There's and and if there's other people in the story, 
look for their strengths. And then the second part is if we identify the strengths of others, then we need to tell them what identify them. That's real, and that's encouragement. That's the notion of it, not praise, but that you're a, you're a great bicycle rider. Not you helped me learn to ride the bicycle. Thank you. You showed me how to ride a bicycle. You demonstrated how to ride a bicycle another way. Thank you. And, that's and, point, and social interest would be the difference between saying, could you teach somebody else to ride or could you lend your bike or, you know, you're so good on your bike. Could you ride this uh, newspaper over to our neighbor? That's developing social interest at the prompting of a parent versus uh, who goes the fastest, who learned it the earliest, who got who's got the 10 speed bike by the special company, you know, at the youngest grade. That's the competitive, non-socially interested way that, you know, we can if, if we if we don't make a considered effort to develop social interest, we go competitive and our kids follow in our modeling. And I see cooperation. And right now our world needs cooperation. However, the cooperation needs to work backwards. Yes, we'd like to have some cooperation in the in the big wide world. However, the cooperation starts at home and then moves outside our home. And as you so, so aptly pointed, would you take the paper over to our neighbor? She wa wants to read the, she told me she'd like to read the paper. And would you take it to her and, and tell her enjoy? And yeah, and enjoy a, specifically a comic strip or something like that. just some way to connect with her. Yeah, and I like that notion of of what are a variety of ways that we can help people help others and encourage our kids to help others. Wow, what a gift! What a gift! So there, Adler gave us the gift of realizing every human being has different strengths and talents. We mine for them, we bring them to the surface, we remind them of them, and then we use our gifts and talents in the service of, of our fellow man, of our others. And that's really the formula for good living, right? You know, it's, it, it is a psychology, but it is a philosophy for living. Yes. And I want to go back to those set of skills, Allison. I can use those set of skills that you identified for me. I can utilize those ambitious, courageous planning, new skill, perseverance, and self-encouraging to help others. And it's a balance, and I need to help myself. So four years ago or five years ago, when I made a decision to go to the gymnasium and work out three times a week and work out with a trainer, I used some of those same skills to help to help myself, to do self-care, and also to help others. And that needs to be a delicate balance that we need to take care of ourselves so that we can be capable of, of taking care of others. Well, as a mental health practitioner, as somebody who spreads Adlerian ideas around the world, who mentors so many graduate students, who says to me, even though you're almost 80 and I'm almost 60, and you say to me, Allison, I wanna take you under my wing and get you thinking about legacy work. You, you are the embodiment of social interest, my friend, <laughs> every oh, day. You. And yes, you, you can take time for yourself, <laughs> as, should, yeah. as should all of us, as you say. That is also, if we're not encouraged and not in top form, we don't have anything to give to other people. So there is absolutely that balance. Absolutely. Yeah. Let me just turn this back to you to, before we say our goodbyes. Is there anything that, um, as we've uh, gone across these subject matters today, that you wish that we uh, said more about, or there was a hole, or or you feel incomplete about that? You, I want to give you the kind of the last word here. Sure. 
Uh, I was thinking about early recollections and people uh, and processing their early recollections. I would suggest you do some writing, that you write your early memories and rewrite them in the way that you would like. I also, you can take your early memories and paint them. You can model them. You can do a variety of things with them and change them, evolve. If you don't like them, evolve in another way. And I was, I was reminded of a story a woman shared with me, two, two, early, two early memories. This was in a workshop, and she said, you know, when, when I was a, a girl, I worked with my grandma in cooking, and she was really encouraging and supportive and loving. And my mother was the opposite way. She wasn't quite as loving and supportive and probably wasn't the teacher that my grandma was. And I ask you this, whose voice do you want to listen to? Whose voice do you want to hear? And I think as we review our lives and we review our experiences, pick the voices you want to hear. One of, the, my, one of my favorite questions to ask people, two questions is, when you were a little kid growing up, who believed in you and how did they show you? When you were a little kid, who taught you and how did they teach you? And these are gifts that we can give based on our, early, not necessarily early, early memories, but early narratives. We can, we can use those as our energizers to move forward as we move, as we move to create a better world. And that's, to your point, that's the change process. The yes. A po yeah. positive change from positive remembrances. It's still strength-based, right? That still, yes. comes, yeah. still comes down yeah. to what worked, what was effective, what was helpful, what touched you, what was meaningful. It's the positive side of life that gets us out of our dilemmas and get us moving towards our whatever healthier functioning, self-actualized, whatever you, term uh, that we want to use. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, where are you going to be next? How to I'm, I'm going to put um, any information about you, obviously, in the show notes. But what's what's next for you? Uh, I'm going to do a presentation in Boise, Idaho next weekend. Uh, I'll be working with some graduate students at Boise State University. And then I'll be working with the uh, with the uh, Idaho Society of Individual Psychology. I'll be doing an advanced training workshop and I'll also be teaching doing some work with uh, 14 different Adlerian group case consultation sessions that I'm consult that I'm using, that I'm doing around the world that are free. And if you contact me, westwinget at gmail.com. And if you are interested in Adlerian psychology and are working with, with people, you are welcome to be part of this group. Uh, there are, there's a group in Bulgaria and a group in, in, in Bulgarian language and Spanish language, in English and in Romanian. And wow! Yeah, That's I have three of them today. I have three of them today. Oh wow! Okay, you're a busy man. Well, I so appreciate you, your social interests, your giving back. the t The time that you spend, Wes, uh, you know, uh, uh, not a strength from your memory, but just a strength from knowing you as a person. You really do love to dig and and to do the research and to get it right and to be accurate in the readings and to go back to the source. And you, you're an archivist 
Uh, you pay attention to detail. You have a memory like a steel trap. And yet you present it, like I said, I, I love talking to you because uh, it, it can be dry reading articles of research, but you enliven it, you bring it to life. You, you, you are like Adler, you bring it to the everyday man and make it applicable immediately. And I thank you so much for, for that gift and for sharing it with the listeners of my podcast, your time today. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Allison. The best to you. And do not forget the contributions you have made through your work, through your presence, through your style. Thank you. You're welcome. As you know, it takes a village to make a podcast. So thanks to my team, including Max Cotter, my editor and technician, as well as the crew at H2O Digital. This podcast was recorded in Toronto, Canada. We acknowledge the land we are meeting on is the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabek, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat people, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit and Métis. We also acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13 with the Mississaugas of the Credit. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 